0: Good morning again. We're beginning a uh, a new series this morning, a, a short mini series in the book of Proverbs. So open your Bible with me. Turn to the book of Proverbs, right after the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, and we're going to begin this morning in chapter one of the book of Proverbs. Let's let's read this together proverbs 1 starting in verse 1 the proverbs of solomon son of david king of israel to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness justice and equity to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Shigo, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Would have none of my counsel and despised all of my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that your words come to us in Holy Scripture. You speak to us through the words of your inspired book. We thank you that you have given us this this morning. Father, we pray that as we open it together, as we hear you speak to us from your word, Father, give us hearts and ears to hear what you are saying. Give us discernment to understand what we hear. And Father, give us the strength that we need to obey your call this morning. We know that left to our own devices, we are the fools that this passage speaks of. So Father, turn our hearts to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what does it mean to have a good life? This is something that, that everybody wants, right? A good life. I don't think there are many people out there who want a bad life. Everybody wants a good life. Everybody wants to live the good life. But but to, to do that, we have to answer the question: what, what is it? And more importantly maybe not more importantly, but, but another question is, how does one obtain this? How does one get this good life? What do you have to do to get a good life? Well, well, left to ourselves to figure this out, we are hopeless. Just look around you. See how many people fail at this. I mean, life often feels like it's just beating us up, right? Especially right now in this season. It, it can feel like your character, have you ever gotten one of those uh, choose-your-own-adventure novels? Do you remember those? Sometimes life just feels like you're in one of those, and you just keep choosing the wrong one. Why do things not work out the way that you want them to? Now, you might think that, that the Bible doesn't address this, at least directly. You, you might think that the Bible only addresses spiritual things, and that the rest is up to us to figure out. You know, go to the Scriptures to learn about God, but if you have you know, relationship problems, go to the self help section on Amazon. But that is a wrong thought, although that's how many people operate. In fact, that is the problem. Now, every book of Scripture is, is profitable and speaks to the practical day to day areas of our lives. But there are three books in particular that were written specifically to help us to. Live wisely. They were written and inspired by God to us as humans living in God's world to help us navigate this life well. They are known uh, as as the wisdom literature, and, and there's three of them three books, and they're all in the Old Testament Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. Again, Obviously, there's wisdom for life in all of Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable to us. But these three books contain a unique focus on wisdom and how to live well. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be camping in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to be letting God speak to us about a few different areas. And what we're going to see is that in the book of Proverbs, God addresses almost every aspect of life. Wealth. Work, relationships, sex, speech, family, and many others. But, but in the book of Proverbs, God also answers the question, how do I live a good life directly? And this skill, the skill of living a good life, is what we call wisdom. It's what the book of Proverbs calls wisdom. Wisdom. So the wise person is the one who lives well, who lives life well. The one who lives life poorly, in the book of Proverbs, is called the fool, or they are living by folly. The wise person and the fool, wisdom and folly, these two go all throughout all of Proverbs. There are two paths that are laid out in Proverbs. The path of wisdom and the path of folly. At this point, I I hope you're thinking, okay, wisdom, folly, got it. So just tell us how to live wisely and how to not be a fool. You're thinking that because you need wisdom. I, I need wisdom. We all need this wisdom. We need to know how to live. Life wisely. Because we all have to live life. Living wisely is how to live the good life. So, that's what we're going to see this morning. And the first thing I want to do is to look at the benefits of wisdom. So, again, Proverbs is all about wisdom. And as we look to Proverbs, one of the things that we see is the benefits that you, that I get from living Wisely. Let's let's see. The, the first place we're gonna look for this is Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. Listen to the benefits of this wisdom. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Could also say happy is the one who finds wisdom, and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her wisdom Or again, happy. So, wisdom, here personified as a female character, is better than anything that you know. Wisdom, God's telling us, is better than anything that you could possibly think up to desire. Long life, riches, and honor come from her, from wisdom. Peace comes to the wise, the one living wisely. Wisdom, the, the, the text says, is like a fountain of life. In, a, in another place in Proverbs, it says that wisdom brings healing to the flesh and refreshment to the bones. Wisdom refreshes the soul of the wise. And those who possess it are blessed. They are happy. So we see these, there's spiritual blessing in wisdom maybe what we'll call an internal aspect, and there's an external blessing. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Proverbs 3.4 says that the one who has wisdom will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So again, we see those, those two aspects, kind of the spiritual and the earthly or or the vertical and the horizontal. The one who has wisdom will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. The, the, The wise person pleases both God and men through their wise living. They love the Lord their God and they love their neighbor. That might sound familiar. But there's more benefits. The wise sleep well. Because they have security. They have this peace that we've already heard described. Proverbs 3.24 says this, If you lie down, speaking of the person who has wisdom, if you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Amen. Exactly. That doesn't apply if you have young children, by the way. There, there's just a, there, right there on that season of life, it just goes null and void for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But are these things not the things that you're searching after? When you boil it down, desiring in life peace, security, blessing, happiness, understanding, refreshment to your soul, these are the benefits of wisdom, of living wisely. And again, these are pretty much universal things that most people want. And so the the next question is, well, okay. So what do we do to get that? Where do we begin? Again, the book of Proverbs answers this question. Look back at chapter 1. Look back at chapter 1, starting in verse 2. This is the, the beginning of the book of Proverbs. And this really tells us the point of the book of Proverbs. And the point is to tell us how to get this wisdom. Look, look what it says in verse two to know wisdom and instruction. So this is the the purpose of the book of Proverbs to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity. Lord, do we need that today to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in hearing and the one who understands obtain guidance understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, and listen to what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, the origin of all knowledge and all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Without fear of the Lord, You have not yet begun to acquire knowledge and wisdom, no matter how wise and knowledgeable you may think yourself or how you may appear to others. The fear of the Lord is the origin and the starting point of all wisdom and instruction. And so often I think we want to rush past that. We want to say, okay, yeah, fear the Lord. That's great. Give me the practical stuff. But, but Doing that completely misses the point of the book of Proverbs. It completely jumps over the foundation of everything that has to do with wisdom and knowledge. The person who thinks that way is already showing themselves to be the fool that Proverbs is talking about. But so often this is how we read the book of Proverbs. Most of the passages you can think of that you've probably heard or are familiar with from the book of Proverbs probably come from chapter 10 on because that's where you get all the little kind of pithy sayings. Chapters 1 through 9 lays the foundation for all of that, though. We can't rush past that because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You see this even in the structure of the book of Proverbs itself. The fear of the Lord begins the book with the verse we just saw. It ends the first section in chapter 9, verse 10 says this, almost the same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So knowledge and wisdom are are interchangeable in the book of Proverbs. It pops up throughout the book. And then in the second to last verse of the entire book, speaking of the godly woman says this, charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Fear of the Lord begins the book of Proverbs, it permeates the middle, and it ends the book of Proverbs. It's the framework of the book itself, and it is the framework and the beginning of all wisdom. So if you miss the fear of the Lord, you miss everything. All those benefits that we talked about will be elusive to you because you have missed wisdom and knowledge and how to live the good life. But the fear of the Lord is not just the structure to Proverbs, but to all of these wisdom books that I just talked about. The author of Ecclesiastes, after 12 chapters of this wild ride of, of skepticism and reflections on the futility of life, gives his final answer to everything. He says this in Ecclesiastes 12 13 The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man fear of the lord is the answer to the book of ecclesiastes the book of job ends the same way after roughly 38 chapters of of wrestling with sin and suffering and the sovereignty of god job finally hears god speak and his response is that he repents in dust and ashes He humbles himself before God. He fears the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or as Proverbs 15.33 puts it, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. I guess we better ask the question, what is the fear of the Lord? And how do I know if I have it? Now, Now, a lot of times Christians, Try to explain away this phrase because it sounds negative, right? Fear of the Lord, like I'm supposed to be scared, you know? So you'll hear, well, it doesn't really mean fear. It means like respect and reverence, which is kind of true, but that's not entirely accurate. The fear of the Lord does contain the idea of reverence and respect, but it also contains the idea of fear. And the best way to see this, the best way to understand what the Bible means, what Proverbs means when it says the fear of the Lord, is to look at how this phrase is used throughout scripture. And I just want to show you a couple places that will make this clear. Deuteronomy 6, 13 through 15. Deuteronomy 6, 13 through 15. Listen to what this says. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord, your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord, your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. So there's a passage where the fear of the Lord actually contains the idea of fear. God's saying, you shall fear me. And what does that mean? It means you shall serve me and me alone. Why? Because I will destroy you if you don't. Now, again, in the context of Deuteronomy, the people do not fear the Lord. They walk away from God and he destroys them. Now, this will be made more clear as we go along. Deuteronomy 10 Verse 12 and 13. Here's what it says. And now Israel, what does the Lord, your God require of you, but to fear the Lord, your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good see how the fear of the Lord here, beginning to get a little bit better picture of what it means. It means to walk in God's ways. It means to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. It means to obey his commandments. And don't miss that last verse. Why? Because God commands them for our good. So when Deuteronomy 6, when we just looked at, when he says, follow me or I'll destroy you. It's for our own good that we fear God because he is holy and righteous. To not fear him is not only foolish, but dangerous. Psalm 33, verse 8 and 9. This will kind of add another piece to this picture. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Why? For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So to fear the Lord then here is to stand in awe of his power in creation. So it does contain the idea of awe and reverence. So we see then to fear the Lord includes serving God, obeying his commandments, loving him, living life the way he commands, and standing in awe at his power and fearing his judgment lest we go astray into sin. Now you might say, wait, 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 wait. But that's like all Old Testament stuff, right? We're in the the New Testament times. Now we're not supposed to fear God anymore. But, But that's a wrong idea. Number one, because God never changes at all. But number two, because the New Testament uses the exact same language. In the exact same way, in multiple places. Let me just show you one, just so you can get the idea. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Now look what it says. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Amen. That'd be a great church mission statement right there. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Again, n- compare how that's used to the text we just saw. It's used in the same way, meaning they were obeying what God had told them to. So to fear the Lord includes this then. Obeying his commandments, serving him and him alone, loving him, living life the way he commands, and standing in awe of his power and might to fear the lord means that he and he alone is supreme in your life and that you seek to order everything in your life according to what he has spoken in his holy word that is the beginning of wisdom the beginning of knowledge the fool says in his heart there is no god but the wise person brings their heart into submission before god the fool has no fear of god before his eyes but the wise person fears the Lord and out of this fear, they obey God's commands and they live a life of wisdom because of that. They live the good life. This is what it means to fear the Lord. So what does it look like in someone's life when they are fearing the Lord? Well, we've kind of already answered that, but Proverbs has a lot more to say about that. A person who fears the Lord, number one, is not wise in their own eyes. They look to God for wisdom and not to themselves. Proverbs 3.7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes, rather fear the Lord. So you can either be wise in your own eyes, think you're somebody, or you can fear the Lord. You can't do both. The person who fears the Lord understands, Proverbs 2.6, that the Lord give wisdom, gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. They understand, Proverbs 30, verse 5, that every word of God proves true. The person who fears the Lord seeks to conform their life to the words of this book. They don't trust their own understanding. They lean on the Lord's understanding. Because they fear him and they understand that he created this world. They don't trust their own intuitions. For their own desires, they listen to the voice of Lord speaking in Scripture, and seek to conform their life to it. If your life is marked by the fear of the Lord, you look to Scripture to tell you how to live. You, you look to Scripture to tell you how to treat your work. you look to Scripture to tell you how to treat your spouse. You look to Scripture to learn how to handle your money? You look to Scripture to know how to raise your children. You look to Scripture to know how to run your business. You look to Scripture to understand how to worship God. You look to Scripture to know what is sin and what is not. You don't look to the culture. You don't look to the current cultural trends to understand these things. You look to God's Word. You look to Scripture in all things because you know that it is God's Word for all time, in all places. You read, you listen, and you seek to obey the wisdom of our great God. You, you love what the Lord loves and you hate what the Lord hates. And in this, though you struggle, you are satisfied. Do you, do you see why this is the beginning, the origin of wisdom, of wise living? It, it's just logic. God created the world, and when you live according to the way, that he created it, in general, things go better for you. And when you are living in the fear of the Lord, the Lord is your confidence and your security and your satisfaction. So no matter what comes, you are secure in him. Nothing can shake you from this hope. When you are tempted to stray and to make foolish and sinful decisions, as we all are, you remember God's love for you, and you remember his righteous judgments against sin, and you stay the course. You see what this does? This orients everything around your view of God. So if you reject God, or if you simply view the Lord as a nice thing to acknowledge intellectually, but not king over your life, then you cannot pursue the path of wisdom. Instead, Scripture says you are on the path of foolishness, of folly. Why? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I mean, sure, you can use wisdom principles found here in Proverbs without the fear of the Lord, and generally your life will probably be better than if you didn't. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? In the end, your rejection or trivializing of the creator of the universe exposes your foolishness. See, wisdom leads to life. Proverbs 14.27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. A fountain of life, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge, the fear of the Lord is all of these. Now, just let's pause for a second here to reflect on this. Think about your own life, about your own heart. Do you walk in the fear of the Lord according to how we've just described it? Do you listen to his voice in Holy Scripture and strive to live in obedience to it? Do you look to the words of Scripture to define what is right and wrong? According to scripture, do you have wisdom? Are you living wisely? Just just think about that for a second. And and hold on to that. Till the end. So, So that's wisdom. And we'll look at more of this in the coming weeks. But we've looked at wisdom. So now we need to look really quick at the opposite. So the opposite of wisdom is folly. Foolishness. Or sometimes the... The book of Proverbs just calls it the fool, the person who is a fool. Well, as you can imagine, the fool is pretty much the opposite of everything I just described. Now, Proverbs says a lot about the fool. I would encourage you sometimes just to, to go into Google or something, just type in the Proverbs and the fool and, and read all of the verses that talk about the fool. But I want to show you some here. Here's how you know if you are a fool or you're being foolish. The fool is unteachable, thinks they know everything, and does not listen to advice. Proverbs 1.7, remember this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay, that's one. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Don't tell me what to do. That's the fool. Proverbs 12.15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Fool is unteachable. Always right in his own eyes. The fool blames God for the consequences of his own bad decisions. Proverbs 19.3 When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. What a powerful verse. He's simply reaping the consequences of his own bad decisions, and yet he's angry at God for it. It's the fool, foolishness. The fool is led astray by his foolishness into many sins and is a slave to them. Proverbs five twenty two through twenty three says, "The iniquities or the sins of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly, foolishness, he is led astray." The wicked and the fool are the same in Proverbs. Why is the fool this way? And what will happen to the fool? What is his end? Proverbs 1, 29 through 32. Because they hated knowledge, and listen to this, and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel, this is wisdom speaking, would have none of my counsel and despised all of my reproof or corrections Therefore, so the fool is foolish because he's rejected God. He's rejected the fear of the Lord, rejected wisdom. Here's what happens. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. See how this is all connecting. The fool is foolish because they have rejected the fear of the Lord. And because they have rejected the fear of the Lord, they have rejected wisdom. And so they reap the fruit of their own foolish decisions and it destroys them. In the face of the call of wisdom, the fool is complacent. These are the two paths laid out for us in Proverbs. Wisdom and folly. Wisdom leads to life. Folly leads to death. And the book of Proverbs pictures these. This is kind of a helpful picture as as two women that are calling out to you, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, both sounding their call, both saying, Follow me, follow me. You must choose who to follow. Will you fear the Lord, love Him, obey Him, and follow the path of wisdom unto eternal life? Or will you follow Lady Folly and go your own way, rejecting God? And ultimately, go to your own destruction, reaping the consequences of your own decisions. Friend, I don't know where you are this morning, but I do know this. We all need wisdom. We all need more wisdom, and we have all been foolish at times. And here's the good news. In the gospel, there is hope for the fool. God and his grace provides wisdom for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the son of God is the wisdom of God incarnate. Paul tells us in Colossians that in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And in first Corinthians, he writes, and because of him, Jesus, you are in Christ, Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Christ became the wisdom of God in the sense that in his incarnation, life, death, and resurrection, God revealed the mystery of the gospel. God revealed his plan to redeem the world. Christ is God's wisdom on display for all to see. God in his wisdom has made a way for those who lack wisdom to obtain the wisdom that leads to life. Where is that wisdom found? In Christ Jesus. The the call of wisdom in the Old Testament is now the call to come to Christ in the new. Through the blood of Christ, God has provided, provided wisdom for all who want it. All who are wise hear the call of Christ, take up their cross and follow him in obedience. The fools reject him. Fools disobey him and go their own way. Jesus says this and listen to the words he uses. He says this in, in Matthew chapter seven. Everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them, And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Friends, there are only two options. You can wisely build your life upon the words of Christ, on the words of God, found in the gospel, found in scripture. You can follow Christ and heed his call, to repentance and faith. or you can be like the fool. You can reject the call of Christ. You can reject the wisdom revealed to us in him and in the words of scripture. But the truth is this. We will all stand before the judgment throne of God, and we will all endure the rain and the floods and the winds symbolizing judgment. Those found in Christ will persevere unto glory for eternal life. Those who have rejected Christ will fall. It's the words of Christ himself. Build upon your own foolishness and you will crumble on the day of judgment. Build upon the fear of the Lord, upon the wisdom of God, upon Christ, and you will live in glory with him forever. Build your life upon Christ and you will receive him And with him, all the benefits of wisdom. Friends, turn to Christ this morning, for he is the wisdom and power of God. Turn from your folly and turn to Christ and live this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have heard the call of wisdom, we have heard the call of Christ. Take up your cross and follow me. Build your life upon my words. Father, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us, enable us to be able to do that. Father, I pray for any who are not on that path. I pray for those who are foolishly rejecting the grace that is found in Christ. Lord, would you awaken their souls the danger they're in, would you awaken the souls, their souls, to the great glory and power of the gospel? Would you bring them into your kingdom this morning? Would you give them the faith that they need. And Father, for those of us who are in Christ, Father, protect us from making foolish decisions. Father, for any of those who are in Christ this morning who who are straying, who are going down the path of folly are hearing the call, as Proverbs says, the seductive call of lady folly. Father, awaken them, bring them back to the path of wisdom. Father, again, we thank you for the words that you've given us this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.